Good morning. Let's stand as we read God's word together. Today's passage we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 18. Reading about the parable of the sower. Seems appropriate for a sermon series entitled So. Finishing with the parable of the revealing light. So follow along with me as we read Luke 8, verses 4 through 18. Then a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to see him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seeds. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that, seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones in the rock are those who, when they hear and receive the word with joy, they have no roots, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it, and bear fruit with patience. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel, or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand, that those who may enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that, who, that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known to come to light. Therefore take heed how you hear, for whoever has him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. Let's pray. Lord God, you are a glorious, good, gracious God. You have given us the gospel, a means by which we are able to be redeemed through you. Thank you for that, God. And thank you for the message that Chris is going to bring to us today, reminding us of the scope of the gospel. And for those of us who have lost our fervor or even abandoned the mission of sowing the seeds of the gospel, I pray that today will be the first time that we have begun to retake that mission. I pray that you would burden our hearts for the lost and that you would also do a change in us. Thank you for that and for your, and for your son. In your name, amen. Well, I tell you what, I was kind of reflecting on the song and thinking about what God has for us, and all of a sudden, Bill hit them drums, and I jumped. So that was good. I am so thankful for our music ministry and for Todd leading that and everyone that comes early and practices through the week. You just don't realize how much practice and leadership it takes to have this good of worship. Amen? 
and I am thankful for it. Well, uh, as you've heard, we're starting a new series today. Now, the last time you heard that was April 22nd. I looked it up, but uh, yeah, 22, 22, April 22. But I, I, I am so thankful that our pastor tackled Genesis 1 through 11 as I sat through those messages, just reminded every message, just reminded this is what we need, this is what is so important, and it's a proclamation. We don't have to explain everything, and we don't have to criticize others. We proclaim the truth. Amen? And I'm thankful for that. Well, now we're moving forward. We're looking at bridging the gap to all peoples in the book of Acts. We've been going through the book of Acts. And uh, just to review a little bit, uh, Pastor Bruce began with Unstoppable, Acts 1 through 7, and then Let Them Hear, Acts 8 through 12, and then Everyone to Everywhere. Acts 13 through 14, Beyond Borders, Acts 15 through 18. And all of those messages are online at wearelifebridge.com. Go to resources, the navigation, and then the drop down to messages. You can stream, you can share to social media, you can download the notes. But today, we're moving forward in the book of Acts with this series to sow gospel seeds. Now, this series is looking at Acts 18 through 20. It's built, you got to understand, the book of Acts is built on the Gospel of Luke. He wrote two volumes, first volume, Gospel of Luke, second volume, the book of Acts. And it's built on Acts 1 through 18. And so if you real quickly will listen to all those messages, you'll be caught up. No, I'm just kidding. But here's why I'm bringing that out. I want the, What we're going to look at centers on the beginning of Paul's third missionary journey. So we've already been through one, through two, and those, again, are online on our website. But we're really going to not focus on the whole journey, but focus on the journey that centers around the city and the church of Ephesus. Now, the reason I say that to you is because there's going to be a lot that I can't cover in six weeks that is vital to sowing gospel seeds. And I feel the weight of that. Because when you talk about evangelism, especially in our current context, there is so much. You need to, you say this and then you got to balance it by that and you got to assume this. Well, all I'm saying to you is I've got six weeks to get us ready, four weeks leading up, two after our world outreach. And all I'm saying is this that more than likely what I cannot cover regarding sowing gospel seeds, evangelism and witness, ha is covered in the Gospel of Luke and is covered in those first 18 chapters. And so just understand that there is that background to it. Now, take for example the parable we're looking at this morning. It's found in Luke chapter 8. And Luke is assuming we understand this parable as we read and move through Acts. And all I'm saying to you is what we're going to see in the weeks to come about sowing gospel seeds, it is built on and motivated by this parable. The parable of the sower, the seed, and the soils in Luke chapter 8. Now, before we focus on verse 5, that's the verse we're going to focus on. Let's take a quick look, a quick, quick flyover of this parable and see both its importance and its interpretation as taught to us by Jesus himself. 
And so let's look first at the importance of this parable. The parable is found in these four verses, verses 4 through 8, that Jeremy read for us. Now, one commentator calls this the parable of the parables. This is the, the most parable of the parables, you could say. It's recorded in all three synoptic gospels, so you can find it in Matthew, find it in Mark, and you find it here in Luke. It's recorded first. It's, all, it's the first parable that Jesus, that's recorded that Jesus ever taught. And Jesus himself teaches us the importance of this parable in Mark chapter 4, 13, when he says to his disciples these words, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? So if you don't understand this one, you won't understand the rest. And why is that? Because this parable, the main idea, parables have one idea, many applications. The main idea is be careful how you listen to the Word of God. So if you don't learn how to listen to the Word of God from this parable, you're not going to understand the rest of Jesus' teaching. And so that's the importance of it. Well, what does Jesus want us to understand about the parable of parables? Well, let's look at the interpretation. He himself gives us the interpretation. I wish he did this for every parable, but because this is the important one, he explains it to us, okay? And the implication is, if we'll apply this one, we'll figure out the other parables. So here's the pictures of the parable as explained by Jesus himself. First of all, the seed is the word of God. It's the Word of God, and specifically the gospel message. That's in verse 11, explained for us. The soils are the hearts of the hearers. The soils are the hearts. So the seed is the Word of God. The soil is the heart of the hearer. So as the seed is sown, as the Word is preached, it impacts hearts. Let's look at the faint. This parable is famous for these soils. The roadside soil is hard hearts that reject. Hard hearts, okay? So it's like if I had a rubber ball, threw it up against this pulpit, it would just bounce right off, and that's the idea. It lays on the surface, no penetration, no impact, and Satan comes and snatches what they could have heard and what they could have believed, but they rejected it, and it's taken away. The rocky soil is shallow hearts with no root, shallow hearts with no root. They receive the word, they take it in, and they get super excited, but as soon as the excitement wears off, they no longer believe. As soon as pressure comes, they no longer believe. I think we've all had that experience. Third, the thorny soil is crowded hearts with worldliness. Crowded hearts. In verse 14, we see the thorny soil as crowded hearts with worldliness. These folk, the, the word penetrates, they receive it like the shallow uh, hearts do, and they last a little bit longer. They last beyond the excitement, but the things of the world, the possessions, the pleasures, the priorities of this life crowd out their commitment to Christ, crowd out their belief in Christ, and they too fall away. The fourth is the good soil, and these are the persevering hearts. Persevering hearts that are rooted, fruitful, due to saving faith. 
They are rooted. Unlike the shallow heart that is just on the surface and when trials come, there's no, nothing to draw from. These are rooted. Unlike the thorny soil, they persevere and they make Christ their priority. Their belief perseveres. They hold fast to the faith. They hold fast to the gospel, and they come to maturity. And when you come to maturity, you bear fruit. And as, one, as Mark says, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. And that's in verse 15. Now, please note, only in my, in my understanding of what is going on here, only the fourth soil is truly born again. Only the fourth soil. You'll hear many people try to explain that the second and third soil, they're born again, they're just fruitless. They're fruitless, they're useless, but somehow they're saved. And the only problem with that is God the Father as the vineyard owner and Jesus as the branch of the vineyard are not interested in life without fruit. They aren't just looking for signs of life. They're not looking for a pulse. They're looking for life change. They're looking for transformation. God, when he saves, changes lives. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we're sinless. But we should be sinning less, and we should be growing to where fruit is manifested in our lives. Now, here's what I want you to know. I want you to see that the seed falls on all sorts of soil. You see that? Because it is sown with abandoned. It's not only the good soil that it lands on. It lands on all kinds of soil. It is sown on all kinds of soil because of broadcast sowing. Okay, so when we think of planting seed, or if you've done it probably in your home, you, you dig a little hole, you prepare the, the, the ground, and there's this perfect little hole, and you put the perfect little seed in the perfect little hole, and you cover it up, and you know exactly where everything is, and it's orderly, and it's neat, and you like it, and it's all good. That's not how they sowed. They did broadcast sowing where they'd have a bag on their side, they grab a load of seed, and they just would cast it. Okay, and that's why it was called broadcasting, so it could go anywhere. So me being me, I thought, now how can I show this to our people? And so my inner child uh, went back, and so this is how you, this is how broadcast sewing. So if I wanted to sew here, this is what it's going to look like. See if I, I couldn't practice. Oh, there you go. That's how it works. That's how it works. Sorry, I mean you got you, you got to be a kingdom kid to understand how these things work. And I did get permission from the custodian to do that because I didn't want to get in trouble with her. So here's the deal. That, you know, that went everywhere. I don't know where that went. That went everywhere. And also, I was told, please do not carry it throughout the church, Cindy. So don't, don't just leave it here and, and uh, Christy will pick it up. It goes everywhere. You don't know where it landed. I was aiming for Cindy, but it probably landed on Bill. And, and, and so Gabriel, Jeremy, you don't know. In fact, uh, this summer was hard, was it not? We had a hard summer on lawns, right? Where's Bill? Bill, wave at me. Where are you at? Bill, yeah, the lawn man. Hard summer, right? And so out there at our sign, the, of course, we have a big area that grass dies. Where's it going to die on all this land we got? It dies right around the sign, you know. So I'm like, Bill, we have got to seed that. We've got to grow it. And so Bill, uh, the servant that he is, he, he, he graciously did that as a gift to our church, and he, he seated. He seated. 
Well, guess what? I'm, so, you know, I'm watering it every day now at five for two weeks, and it is coming up. It is coming up. But I actually got my phone out, and I, I'm not going to show them because they didn't come out. You couldn't really see, but I took pictures because even though he had a blower, he blew all the extra seed off the parking lot. But as I was watering the ground, I'm like, this is just amazing. There's seed all over the parking lot. It ain't, it ain't growing. Okay, it's hard soil. And then around the grass, as it connects to the parking lot, there's rocky soil there, and there's seed there. And some of it's going to pop up, but I guarantee you it won't make it through the winter, and it won't make it through next summer. And then right around our sign, if anybody has a service project, there are some weeds around the sign. And so I saw, yeah, there's some seed right around those weeds. And guess what? Those weeds are going to be stronger than that baby grass, and it's going to be choked out. Now, praise God and uh, you know Bill promised that there will be grass and there is baby grass out there now and there's gonna be a large area where there's yes yes please there's gonna be this large area where there's gonna be good soil and there's gonna be plenty of grass but who is doing the sowing who is doing the sowing who is broadcast sowing the sower is Jesus and his disciples. The sower is Jesus and his disciples. You know, it's interesting in this parable, and, and, and I, had all, I, I knew it was Jesus, and I assumed it was Jesus, but I, 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 I had forgotten that, you know, he never identifies who the sower is. He never identifies, but from the context, it's obvious in that moment that the sower in that moment is Jesus. It's his own witness, his own teaching ministry. He didn't need to say who the sower was. It was obvious who the sower was. Look at verse 4. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed. There is no doubt who the sower is. It's Jesus. But I think one of the reasons that it's not identified is because it's not just Jesus, it's also Jesus and his disciples. In other words, it's us. Everyone here who claims to be a Christ follower. Now, if you're here and you're seeking and you're just checking out and you're maybe even skeptical and you're just trying out church for the first time, we welcome you. Sit back, enjoy, listen, learn how to listen to the Word of God being preached. But the idea of sowing, that is for those who have already received the gospel. Now, it's equally clear that the sower is anyone who sows the seed of the Word of God because look, uh, because that's what sowers do. Sowers sow seed with gospel abandon. Matthew 13, 3 through 4 says, Behold, the sower went to sow, and as he sowed. Mark 4, 3 through 4. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow as he was sowing. And here, Luke 8, 5, where we're going to concentrate. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, sowers sow seed with gospel abandoned. And when you come to the end of this parable, at, look at verse 16. In verse 16, he says this, Now no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a container or puts it under a bed 
but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. Jesus just goes to the extreme and says, nobody lights a candle and then puts it under your bed. You light a candle so that it will light the darkness. One commentator said this about verse 16. These are people who, if they could be brought to confess where they stand, would profess to have received the gospel. And yet they never speak to anybody about it, not even to their friends or children. But that is a very strange behavior. The gospel by its very nature is light. No one would ever light a lamp and then put it under a pot or put it under a bed. He would put it where it could give its light and be seen. It's impossible anyway permanently to hide where one stands in relation to Christ. Lights have to shine and sowers have to sow. It's just who they are. It's how they roll. It's who they are. So here's the key question. As we look at these kinds of soil, as we see the sower and we see the sowing of the seed, what reveals the kind of soil? What reveals the kind of hearts? This is a key question. How do you know what kind of soil the heart of someone is? You never know until you sow. You never know until you sow. What happens in this passage is you don't figure out the soil until the seed is sown. And you also don't find out actually for some time after it's sown and even after it's received. You see, people can't respond to what they don't hear. We can pray for the salvation of loved ones and people in our circle of, of influence, and we can pray and pray and pray. They will not be saved until the word is sown. They simply can't. And you'll never know what's really in their heart, and you'll never know what God is secretly under the ground in that heart working to accomplish until you sow the seed. And there are over 2 billion people on this planet who have never heard the name of Jesus. And the sower wants us to sow to that two billion. You say, well, I can't go to all of them. You're right, but these people are called, and they're going, and they need prayer, and they need giving, and they need us to serve, and they need us to sow here at home so they can keep reaching out to those two billion people. You see, right here in our city, right here in this congregation, right now, are people who have not really heard and understood the gospel. They're here. They're here. They're everywhere. They're all around us. So what's the intent of this message? We've seen the importance of it. I've shown you the interpretation of it. But what's my intent? I want you to focus on verse 5, and I want you to see that we have called we are called to be seed sowers who sow with gospel abandon. We are seed sowers who sow gospel seeds with abandon. Look at verse 5 again. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, sow, sowed, seed, 
sowing. It's just there. Sowers sow. And that's what we're called to do. So I have two simple points for this message, and here they are. Number one, we are seed sowers, not soil inspectors. We are seed sowers, not soil inspectors. You say, Chris, what's wrong with soil inspection? I'm sure having good ground is important. At my house, I have good ground in the back. Everything grows. The grass grows twice as fast. In the front, I don't care what I do. Bill's trying to help me. I have bad ground in the front. So, you know, soil inspection is important, but what's wrong with soil inspection when it comes to sowing seed and when it comes to evangelism? Well, here it is. We, 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 soil inspectors spend all their time studying the condition of the soil and never get around to actually sowing gospel seeds with abandon. The problem is, our natural inclination is to be soil inspectors, but our divine calling is to be seed sowers. And the problem with soil inspectors is they spend all the time, well, look at this soil and look at this rock. I'll tell you what, Bill, when he seeded that patch out there, he, didn't, he, he just took off. Why? Because he was a seed sower. And they just sow. And it falls where it falls. And God gives the increase as we're going to see. You see, we tend to always focus on how our friend will react and whether they will reject. Well, guess what? According to this parable, one out of four are going to be hard. And guess what? According to this parable, 75% of the people you witness to are not going to be truly born again and bear fruit of eternal life. So, you know, if you think, hey, I think they're going to reject, well, guess what? Many are, okay? And, and to be quite honest with you, we need to get over it. Because our job is not to inspect the soil. Our job is to sow seed with abandon. But see, really, when we're soil inspecting, what we're doing is not really caring about them. Usually what we're doing is caring about us. We're being self-protective. We're being self-centered. And what we really want to know is, will they reject me? Will they reject me? And here's the sad, and this is hard truth, and I have to face it, you have to face it. We are willing to let friends and loved ones and neighbors go to hell so that we can enjoy a temporary relationship with them on this earth. And that is a shame upon us. That is a shame. And yet that's our tendency. That's how we approach this. And it's only by the seed of God's word being preached right now, finding good soil in our hearts that you and I are going to change. Amen? And so let's, let's beg God to do that. Listen, missionaries have this problem too. See, we, 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 we try to honor missionaries here. We love them and treat them in a manner worthy of God, but we don't make them heroes. They're not heroes. They're ordinary disciples with the same struggles just like you and I. And here's what happens. For instance, there's a missionary I know that is in a restricted access country, and they've been there for a lot, lot of years. They're, they're intent on learning the language for which I commend them, and it's not an easy language. But they are so focused on learning that language and so uh, uh, concerned about not getting thrown out of this country for sowing gospel seeds that guess what? They're not sowing with abandon. 
So they're there, we're here, the problem's the same wherever you go, okay? And so let's not worry about others, let's focus on ourselves this morning. So here's the bad news. Even though, so it's already bad news. Shame on us for being soil inspectors. Well, the bad news gets worse. We're really rotten as soil inspectors, okay? We don't even do that good. Let me give you four problems with soil inspection. Four problems with soil inspection. Number one, we are unable to inspect hearts. The soil is hearts. We're unable to inspect hearts because here's the reality. Only God and Superman has x-ray vision, okay? And Superman's not real. So who's the only person that has x-ray vision into inspecting hearts? It's only God. It's only God. Listen to some, I gave you a bunch of verses. King Solomon said, you alone know the hearts of all men. King David said, for the Lord searches all hearts. The prophet Samuel said in the famous passage in 1 Samuel, For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord laser looks into the heart. You see, we just can't. We're, we, we want to inspect their hearts. We don't want to make a move that would, uh, that would offend their heart, but the reality is we don't know what's going on in there. And how you're going to find out? How do you find out what's in the heart? You've got to sow the seed. You've got to sow the seed. And we get that backwards. I don't want to sow it till I know what's going on in there because I want to know how they're going to respond and I, I don't want to lose my friend. I don't want to be shamed. I don't want to be fired. I don't want to be punched. And all that's a real possibility. It's all a real possibility. And it's only going to increase. Number two, it, it gets worse. What we can expect on the outside is often wrong. What we can inspect on the outside is often wrong. So here's the deal. We can't see in there. We try to see in there. We look at outward appearances. We think, man, and now here's the deal. If you, if you look at outward appearances, who are you going to ever witness to? Who at work in your neighborhood has this countenance that says, I'm receptive, <laughs> you know, so on me. I'm eager. I've been questioned. You know, how many people have you ever come up and say, what must I do to be saved? Now, it, it can happen. But my point is, we inspect the outside, and we get it often wrong, because basically we're like, man, looking at him, they're never going to accept Christ. But you don't know what's going on on the inside. Besides, and this is the real kicker, Jesus sees every heart and still sowed with abandon. Boom! That is huge. Jesus, all those verses you have there, Jesus knew what was in their hearts. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Je that's what all these verses say. And yet, you go to verse 4. A large crowd was coming together, and they came from various cities. And Jesus tells us there's four kinds of soil in that crowd. But you know what the good news is? He tells them all, and he knows what's in every heart. And he just says, Come unto me, you who are heavy laden and weary, and I will give you rest. And he just throws the seed. He, you know, does that thing that I couldn't do. 
I mean, you've got to be really strong to do that thing. So that's what happens. You say, well, wait a minute. What about John 2, 24 through 25? So turn there with me in your Bibles, because as I was thinking through this, I'm like, well, wait a minute. What about John 2, John chapter 2, 24 through 25? In fact, let's begin with uh, verse 23. Look at John chapter 2, verse 23. Check it out in your Bible. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs which he was doing. This is a shallow faith. It is sign faith. I believe in miracles. I want a miracle. I, you know, I, I will send you money so I can have a miracle. It's that kind of faith. But look at what Jesus says. Verse 24, but Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. So, wait a minute, doesn't that counter what you're saying? These people believed, and Jesus is not giving himself to them because he is a soil inspector, and he's inspecting their hearts, and he's inspecting their faith, and he sees that it's a shallow, temporary, sign faith. Therefore, he does not entrust and save these people. But it doesn't contradict what I'm telling you. In fact, it validates it. How did they believe? They believed because he sowed with abandon in spite of their hard hearts, in spite of their shallow hearts, in spite of their crowded hearts. He sowed with abandon. Then when they responded with a temporary or lacking less than saving faith, he said, no, no, you're not trusting in me. You're trusting for what I do. You're trusting for the miracles. Well, the miracle is going to end when I hang on the cross. It's going to be suffering. But the greatest miracle happens in that suffering, doesn't it? And three days later, the greatest miracle of all, the resurrection. So the first true, well, the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing. And this is good stuff. The fourth is this. Only God gives the increase that changes hearts. Only God gives the increase that changes hearts. So here's, here's the number one hang-up with evangelism. What if they don't respond? What if they reject? Guess what? That's not our responsibility. Our responsibility, evangelism is not measured by how they respond. It's success in evangelism is measured by whether you sow. Are you with me? So everyone here that is a Christ follower, and in fact, even if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, everyone here can be a successful sower. You just need to sow the Word of God. So everyone can be a success. So don't, you, we have to eliminate the excuse, I am not good at evangelism. Yes, you are. Sow the seed. The success is not their response. God gives the increase. Now look, at, look in your Bibles. Turn, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 8, this classic passage, because it's going to set up uh, what we're going to be studying for the next couple weeks. Because in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 8, Paul writes this to the Corinthians. The Corinthians had their favorite pastor. They had their favorite speaker. They had their favorite TV or 
or podcast preacher, and they were uh, saying, I like this guy, I don't like that guy. They were comparing these guys, and here's what he says. And there's two guys they were comparing in particular, Apollos, who we're going to learn about next week, and Paul himself. So here's what Paul says in verse 5. What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe even as the Lord gave opportunity. So you see, it's not you don't even have to create the opportunity. God creates the opportunity. You just step into the opportunity. Verse 6, I planted, sowed, Apollos watered, what I've been doing for two weeks, but God was causing the growth. Let me tell you, yesterday I saw it. I saw it, it was coming up. Boy, you get excited, okay? And then I'm like, Lord, let it not be shallow. Let it not be crowded. Let it grow and bear fruit. But notice, he says, so neither the one who, and and I'm going to translate it according to the tenses here, so neither the one who keeps on planting nor the one who keeps on watering is anything, but God who's the one continually causing the increase, the growth. Now, he who repeatedly uh, sows and he who repeatedly waters are one, but each will receive his own reward. So here's what's the idea in this passage is, Apollos and I, we just keep watering, we just keep planting, we keep planting, we keep watering, we keep planting, and as we keep doing that, God sovereignly causes people to get saved. Amen? So our job is to sow. His job is to change hearts. Now here's the second truth. First, we're called to be seed sowers, not soil inspectors. Here's the second truth. We are seed sowers who sow with abandon. And simply because I can and I do have two, I'm doing it again. This is broad... Well, that's how some of us evangelize. It just kind of doesn't go very far. But that's broadcast sowing. We are to sow with abandon. Just get it out there. So let me give you next steps. I don't think Christy gave me permission to do it twice, but oh well, I'm in trouble. Let me give you next steps for sowing with gospel abandon. Number one, prepare to sow with abandon. Prepare to sow with abandon. The sower went out to sow, and I love how Luke says it, he went out to sow his seed. His, he owned it. You sow what you own. And what you don't own, you don't have, you don't sow. And so, spend time, number one, spend time getting to know Jesus and his heart for people. The way you prepare to sow is you spend time with the ultimate sower. Are you with me? Listen, every time I encounter Jesus, every time I encounter the heart of God through Scripture, I'm convicted, but I'm also motivated, and I'm also encouraged, and I know that God can do better through me. You've got to spend time with the sower. The reason Jesus was willing to sow with abandon is because he had a heart for even hard-hearted people. He had a heart for shallow people. He had a heart for busy people. And he sowed, and he sowed, and he sowed because he loved people. And he knew that he was the answer 
to their shallowness. He was the answer to their worldliness. He was the answer to their weakness in times of strife. And so he sowed himself with abandon. Listen, witnessing with the lost should be an overflow of our own relationship with Jesus. Around here we like to say fellowship with other believers is the result of the overflow of your relationship with God. I love Him, therefore when I'm with other believers, I start talking about how much I love Him, and because He loves other believers, I love them, and and fellowship is the overflow of your relationship. But guess what? Evangelism and witnessing is the overflow of your relationship too. That time alone with God, that relationship with Him, you're like, wow, if He loved a sinner like me, He ought to love the sinners I go to work with, the sinners I live next to, the sinners I'm related to, the people who are far from God and searching. So spend time with the sower. Think about this. Why is fear on the outside greater than joy on the inside? See, why is our fear out there? Because we're not spending time. Either we don't know our Savior, or or we're not spending time with Him. Because if you spend time with Him, His joy and His passion for the mission is going to overflow. Number two, memorize a gospel presentation. Memorize a gospel presentation. And in this day and age, get an app. Okay, you can get an app as well. Now, immediately, us Christians, we come up with more excuses for not evangelizing than anything else we ever do. We, I don't want to memorize a canned approach. It's canned. It's mechanical. It's not relational. Believe me, I equip a lot of people in evangelism, and they always push back on this. But here's the reality of this. What you don't know, you can't sow. What you don't know, you can't sow. And you don't know what you don't know until you memorize and learn a gospel presentation. So, listen, you can go to wearelifebridge.com and look under the navigation, Good News, and go to Online Resources, and there are more things there than you can shake a stick at. Get on it. Get memorizing one. I've, I, mine is, has always been the good news, bad news, but I always are looking at new things, and I'm always trying to learn new things and put them in use. And listen to this. You can't get creative and personal with a gospel presentation until you have one memorized. Once you have it memorized, then you can say, well, I like going over here, or I like this illustration. But until you have the seed memorized, you can't sow it. So number three, bridge the gap. Bridge the gap to people far from God by loving them with active listening, caring conversations, and sincere friendships. Now, here's my number one fear about today's message. Is that no one will respond and go so, or everyone will go so and be a pain in the you-know-what to all their employees, friends, and neighbors. Okay, we need the happy middle here. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Don't go out of here and, 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 and just, you know, be obnoxious. You've got to love them as they are. You've got to listen to their heart cry. Active listening, asking questions, and then listening, not asking questions so you can 
ram the gospel down their throat. You've got to learn to carry on caring conversations, dialogue, and interaction. You've got to learn to build sincere friendships. Now, this past week, Jordan and I were at a conference together, and this illustration was, was shared about Tim Keller, pastor in New York City, and who is very evangelistic and very, very effective in sharing the gospel. And he was did a day-long evangelism training this past week for, uh, uh, for his church, and they had a 1,000 people show up to learn how to share the gospel. And at the end of the training, here's what Keller said on his way out. His last remarks was, Remember, we don't do evangelistic friendships. We just do friendships. So in other words, you don't see people as a project. You see them as people. You don't see him as a means to an end. Hey, look at what I did. I sowed with gospel abandoned. No, you befriend them. But, but, but let me say this. But let me say this. At the same time, you can, you can learn to love people for a lifetime, and they will go to hell if you don't share the gospel with them. If you don't confront them about their false faith. If you don't ask them probing, difficult questions about do you really, are you truly a believer? You know, some preachers like to quote this line, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Jesus didn't say that, and Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, preach the gospel at all times, and using words is always necessary. So the gospel was abandoned. Okay, we've prepared. Now, number two, plan to sow with abandon in a variety of ways. Plan to sow. I love this. The sower went out to sow. That ought to be us every morning. The sower went out to sow. And so we've got church invite cards there. Bless God. Listen, I, I don't know how many times, to my shame, how many times. Doggone it, I don't have one of these. Oh, you know. It, you know. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not a lady, so I don't, I don't have a man purse yet. And so I, I, I kind of put it on Gwen. Gwen, you got one of those cards? You got one of those cards? We got to get one of those cards out. These need to be in our car. I got them in my car. What I need is have them sewed in my pocket or something. And so here's the invite cards. And we bought over 450 tracks back there. And these, listen, tracks aren't what, if you think you know what tracks are, from 20, 30 years ago. That's not what these are. So the, all these tracks back there are not specifically designed to lead someone to Christ. They're to start spiritual conversations. So this one is about grace-filled parenting. And this one is for teens. And this one uh, simply answers, what is the gospel? And this one answers, why trust the Bible? Do you understand this is like one of the number one questions today? And these aren't Andy Stanley false answers. These are real answers from the Bible about how you can trust the Bible, okay? So go back there and, and, and get, the, get a track. Use them. But now I'll say this. Do not take any of them if you don't intend to sow them. Don't, you know, these aren't coasters. These aren't origami sheets. If you're not going to use them to sow, don't take them. Do not take all of them. And bless God, I was going to be the first name on our prayer list back there, and John Losh beat me to it. Of course John did. John, do not clear out that table, because you know what John will do? He'll sow them. 
and he'll lead people to Christ as he has done this year, and he will bring them to this church. John, give the rest of us a chance. And so don't take them all, and you people like me, don't take one of every kind. These are not baseball cards, okay? So don't take one. That would, if, if I wasn't told otherwise, I would do that. Don't take one of every kind. This isn't a collection. Take two or three. They're spread out there. Look, and you think right now, God's already put someone on your heart. Right now, God's already, this message, he's already put someone on your heart. Look for a track that would raise a conversation. Does that make sense to me? Makes sense to me. All right. And then you say, okay, so must keep moving. Pursue a lifestyle of sowing with abandon. Pursue a lifestyle. So you prepared, you planned, now you pursue. Now in the bulletin, there is a self-evaluation form. Sowing gospel seeds with abandon. And I'm just challenging you. Take this form, and we will have more each week back there, and make a commitment that I will sow the gospel to at least three people in the next month, in October, during World Outreach. I will sow the gospel with three people. You're like, Chris, you just freaked me out. Okay, take this challenge. Three people in the next three months. And use this form, and this form will help you. It will help you. It will hold you accountable. It will show you that success is not even sharing the full gospel. Success on this is did you get to talk, did you try and, and, and it didn't go anywhere? Write it down. That's, I sowed. Did you try and they, they weren't interested? You sowed. Write it down. You're going to learn. You're going to learn about people and you're going to learn about yourself. So that's there and you're like, Chris, I still am scared. Great. There's a sign up for prayer. So put your name. Put your email, and we're going to pray for one another. And wouldn't it be great that we could share or introduce to our global guests people who are interested in the gospel because we've been sowing this month? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Jordan, Nikki, would that be wonderful? You're going to be here. See, they can sow too. You can sow too. There you go. Lastly, pray. Pray. Pray for God to prepare soil of all kinds of hearts. Man, I just, just, what beauty in God's word. Pray for hardened hearts to be softened. Who, who do you need to pray for that's hard? Pray for shallow hearts to be deepened. Who, who do you need to write down there? Pray for crowded hearts to be weeded. Who, who is so preoccupied with stuff that they don't understand the Savior? Pray for good hearts to be multiplied. Hey, I'm telling you what, I'm praying that we get more Dana Jensen's who wasn't a Jensen when she was lost and who through the witness of her future husband, we won't talk about what was going on there, but through his witness, but also through the preaching of this church, through the invite, she celebrated her two-year spiritual birthday this week and went to a ladies' retreat life transformed. Could we pray for that to be multiplied? Well, here's what I want to conclude with. I want to conclude with this video, and it's short. It's a Chick-fil-A training video, and it's entitled, Everyone Has a Story. Listen, we can't read hearts, but God can. Take a look.
powerful stuff. And it's more important than just eat more chicken. It's about sowing more seeds. Amen? And by building that relationship and by sowing that seed, you find out what's in that heart. And God will save some. And they will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So, what do we do now? Go. So, with gospel abandoned, I would love to just, we got to take an offering first, so don't do that. But I just, you know, like, go, go, let's just get out of here. Get the seed out of the barn. Let's go sow with gospel abandoned. I've done everything I possibly can for one message with the tools. Let's do it now. Let's pray, okay? So, praise team, if you come up, and as the praise team is coming up, I'm just going to lead us in prayer, Lord. I'm just going to lead us as a congregation what I need and probably what we all need. Father, we praise you for the people who sowed the gospel with abandon in our hearts. We praise you for leading them to do so when our hearts were hard to keep doing so when we were shallow and emotional and drift away. Lord, before whoever led each of us to Christ, there were many others who sowed the seed with abandon. And so, Father, we repent, us as Christ followers that are here today, we repent, Lord, of being soil inspectors rather than seed sowers and trying to do your job of knowing what's in a heart, and trying to do your job of trying to change a heart, instead of doing our job of sowing the seed with abandon. And so, Father, we ask that your Son might teach us to be sowers. And Lord, we ask that as we pray for one another, as we hand out these tracts, as we stir up conversations, things that we know to, have done, to do, you've been convicting and leading and nurturing, nudging and leading us, and we've been apathetic or disobedient. Lord, we ask you now to move in hearts. And so, Father, we pray, too, if anyone's here who has never received the gospel, who have never received Christ, that they would receive him now, that they would have a receptive heart and turn from their sins to trust in Christ alone, realizing that he is sinless, we are not. He has paid for our sins, we don't have to pay. He has done what we cannot do, so we don't have to worry about measuring up. We simply come with all our mess, and we're all messed up, we come with all our brokenness, and everyone in this room is broken. And we just come and we just say, Lord, I give it all to you, and I take your righteousness, your life, and I want to follow you and be transformed by you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Let's, let's praise him as the praise team plays.